0: With Joanna from Four Paws, and um, we're going to ask you some questions that yeah. and we'll just go from there. So it's nice speaking with you today. Um, what problems are Four Paws seeing post pandemic with puppy sales?
1: So, first, let me um, maybe just explain um how four paws um operates as an animal welfare organization yes. where we operate perhaps because that will help um kind of explain um where we're seeing sale problems post pandemic so uh, four paws is a global animal welfare organization we operate in 15 countries worldwide um and in europe specifically we operate in the uk obviously uh but so Austria, Switzerland, Germany, Bulgaria and the Netherlands. Um, and so this has really been um, the focus of our puppy trade work over the last few years has really been on the EU and countries in Europe where there is this uh, illegal trade or puppy smuggling, as is the term that we like to use in the UK. To just, um, and this has always been a problem. You know, it's not a new problem. It's not yeah. a problem caused by the pandemic. Um, as, as everyone from Justice for Reggie and all your supporters know, um, there has always been a problem with um, puppy sales and particularly the online yeah. puppy trade. Um, so prior to the pandemic, we um, estimated that there were about 400,000 dogs being advertised on classified websites across the EU every day. That's and a lot. It's a lot. One of the big challenges we have as campaigners on the puppy trade campaign, and I'm sure you've probably come across this as well, is that there really is, I mean, there's no hard statistics available on how big is the problem of the illegal puppy trade because. The very nature of it it's illegal yeah um, and yeah. so nobody knows the answer to this but you can try to get a grasp of the problem um, by looking at the numbers that are available to you from official sources so we know from various statistics and surveys that there's around uh, 69 million dogs um, living in the eu as pets and there's approximately a demand of around 6 million dogs per annum thereby you know Assuming that the average um, age of a dog, a um, lifespan, is around 11 years, of those six million dogs that are demanded across the EU every year, only around 1.1 million puppies are bred each year under the umbrella of um, FCR, such as um, at the UK Kennel Club. Yeah. So it's a big question: where are the other? Uh, puppies coming from to meet that demand. So we're talking about 5 million dog gap in those figures there. and those are figures um, prior to the pandemic. Of course, what we saw during the pandemic was a huge demand in puppies in every country in Europe. Everybody and their nan wanted a puppy, right? Um, so I think in Germany, one in six people acquired a puppy during the pandemic. Um, and you know they may have already had pets on top of that. Now post-pandemic, what's happened? So I've spoken to my colleagues around um, Europe, and there are a lot of similarities to what we're seeing in every country and we're seeing in the UK as well. Um, the big observation is obviously that um, while the demand for puppies increased dramatically during the pandemic, um yeah. People, um, as animal welfare groups largely feared, people aren't keeping these dogs that they've acquired. And the amount of dogs that are being relinquished to shelters or abandoned has increased by about a third since the start of the pandemic. So this is one of the main problems that will probably continue post-pandemic. Um, And we've also you can see this. Anybody can jump on um, any of the classified ad sites, you know, in their country. And you can see that there is a huge increase in the number of dogs that are around the one year age group um, being offered for rehoming on classified ad sites at the moment. Um, Sorry, if you can hear my own little rescue dog growling in the back. I was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) He he really gets worked up about this topic as well.
0: Oh, that's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's blue. He's actually probably barking at my neighbor's cat in the backyard. Um, so the other thing is that people aren't, you know, necessarily just trying to rehome these these puppies that they acquired. They're also trying to sell them because, of course, they paid astronomical amounts for these puppies. The prices of puppies increased dramatically during the yeah. pandemic as well because, obviously, puppy traders and breeders were going, you know, this is my moment to really make some oh, yeah. <laughs> the pandemic the best thing that ever happened to their to their bank accounts so um people are of course trying to recover some of those costs if you paid five thousand pounds for a pomeranian puppy um and you don't want your pomeranian puppy anymore chances are you're going to try and sell that puppy and make some money back so yeah. um, what we're observing um at the moment is you know people who are trying to rehome their pets but asking for you know over a thousand euros for the privilege of rehoming you know a -a one-year-old one-and-a-half-year-old dog now okay so that's something that we're seeing a lot of on online puppy sales at the moment another problem not necessarily to do with puppy sales itself as well but one thing we're observing a lot is that um, people who bought these puppies spontaneously don't really um, know everything that's required you know to keep a dog, especially a young dog, which is effectively a baby. So, um, of course, during the pandemic, you know, dog training, pet obedience, schools were closed for several months. Um, there weren't you know, necessarily the, um, uh, uh, the dog um, walking facilities, the socialization opportunities that yeah. at a young age. Um, so new owners didn't learn how to, you know, communicate well with their pets, how to raise a healthy, happy, well-balanced dog. Um, so we are also expecting um, uh, a huge demand and need for um, pet owner education, but potentially yes. welfare and behavioural problems coming down the line as well. So, yeah, sorry, not a great outlook <laughs> opposed pandemic no Uh, but if I could say one thing that I think has been good about the pandemic is that there is more awareness than ever about the illegal puppy trade because of course everybody's suddenly interested in puppies and everyone who has a puppy you know I believe honestly loves dogs and you know they don't want to see these animals harmed so they're becoming more aware about the issues that dogs face around Europe I think so that is one um, positive that I think has come out of the pandemic
0: it does sound very positive, but also i um, going back to the not having a dog before being a previous owner. It's very, mm. um, you, you were just kind of in your own little bubble, weren't you? So you were just happy with your dog in your house and that's not really a life that a dog should have.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there really is still a great need for um, responsible pet ownership awareness. Yeah. Um, and that's another important area of Four Paws' work as well, actually. And we do have a number of resources, I might add, on the Four Paws website for anyone who's listening and who may be struggling um, at this time with, you know, what to do with this wild animal that you've just invited into your home environment. <laughs> so for a making life miserable. I mean, there there is a solution to almost every single dog behaviour problem. Out there. That's the good news. Um, and, you know, there's more research. I mean, I acquired... Rescued, um, uh, or adopted a dog um, back in April this year. And even though it had only been a couple of years since I had a dog, research on positive reinforcement training has come so far in recent years and there are so many resources out there so many wonderful dog behaviorists and trainers out there Um, so I do encourage anyone who feels like they're having a problem with their dog just jump online check out the resources we have on the four paws website as a starting point and um, I guarantee you there will be a light at the end of the tunnel
0: but that's also very many very well spent if you're going to spend it on helping your dog with behavior issues then it means that they're not going to be dumping or surrounding that dog absolutely
1: correct absolutely correct Um, I think a lot of people just kind of give up on their dogs when they think oh there's something wrong with my dog rather than actually there maybe is something wrong with the way I'm treating my dog um, or the resources I'm giving my dog to really thrive um, and have a happy life with me Um, but you know there is there is almost always a way through these issues luckily
0: um the second question we have is can you tell us about the situation in romania and eastern europe in puppy breeding
1: So it's not a good situation, (laughs) I think. I think unsurprisingly, if anyone's listening to this podcast and knows anything at all about the puppy trade, you probably do know that a lot of the um, puppies that we see being brought into Western Europe, where there is a huge demand for puppies, tend to come from countries uh, in Eastern Europe, like Romania. Um, We also see um, source countries being um, Bulgaria, uh, the Czech Republic, Hungary. Uh, Lithuania, Poland, as well, um, and these are not only source countries for puppies going into Western Europe to supply that demand, but they tend to also be often the entry point uh, for puppies coming in from non-EU countries such as Serbia and Russia. And look. Yeah. I was at my local dog park just the other day speaking to somebody who had a lovely one-year-old dog that he'd acquired during the pandemic I have no doubt in my mind that this dog um, was very healthy very happy and had a very loving family Um, but the owner was just completely uh, unaware of the way that he had acquired this dog was probably very illegal. Um, he said that he had um, acquired the dog from a breeder in Serbia. And the Serbian breeder of this specialist breed um, was very open about the fact that he had actually taken the puppy into Bulgaria, effectively smuggled the puppy into the EU in order to get an EU pet passport for the dog and to get, you know, the dog's vaccinations and things like that. So what that oh, would wow that the Serbian breeder, I know. And I just listened to this, to the, this lovely, lovely man in the park who obviously loves and absolutely adores his dog and you know, thought he was going to wonderful lengths to acquire a dog from a really respected breeder in Serbia. And I just had to break the news to him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh bless him.
1: Getting your next dog from somewhere else. Um, but this is what happens. This is quite often what happens is that we do see um, unfortunately a lot of dogs coming in from other countries, from outside the EU, from rabies prone countries. Very important there that we do have um, active populations of dogs with uh, rabies in Serbia and Russia um, being brought smuggled over the border into the EU. Acquiring that EU pet passport, which of course says this puppy's is from Bulgaria, um, and then that puppy makes its way over to the UK into a loving family home where they could potentially have a very deadly disease like rabies. Yeah. Um- having that brought in because there is no way to actually verify whether that puppy's vaccinations were valid of course if there is very unlikely they were valid um, in our experience if um, you know you're using a, a probably a dodgy veterinarian um, anyway to forge this paperwork for the breeder um, so the other problem we see as well in these countries is that obviously breeding standards are very low, um, you know, often non-existent um, and they are often small scale backyard hidden operations that supply mass dealers who then transport these dogs into Western Europe European countries like the UK, um, where they then offer them for sale online and, um, you know, under the guise of being homebred um, puppies that, you know, have come from uh, the UK or legitimately being brought into the UK. Um, the other thing that we quite often see in Eastern Europe are um, uh, animal live animal markets, um, which still exist in countries like Poland and Hungary, and is you know often a trading point um, for puppy dealers as well. Our investigations have shown in previous years, um, when it was safe to visit these markets, obviously that um, you know you'll often see very underage um, puppies for sale in these markets, and um, traders will go there to kind of meet and deal with other traders and breeders at these places and then there's just absolutely no traceability whatsoever when it comes to a situation like that where you have animals being traded like they are tables and chairs or items of clothing um you know which they're not which they're obviously not and it's one thing when you are talking about the illegal trading in, in clothing and in, in other items as well but it's a whole other thing when we're talking about <laughs> things. Um, that you know and one of the most devastating things I think that that we see in the in the in the puppy trade is just that there is an expectation of so-called stock loss during the transportation of these animals just as you would see you know um, you know uh, mass um, factory farmers or farmed animals like chickens or, or, or sheep or pigs expect a certain percentage of stock loss yeah. uh, because the conditions that they're transported in and raised in are so poor. And it's the same for puppies and I think most I never people, thought of that. that's yeah. actually quite sad. They take it into account, you know, so they have very low overheads, they will drug these puppies to smuggle them in under floorboards and vans, um, in the walls of vehicles, um, to smuggle them in over borders. And of course, there's a very high risk of um, the animals dying en route as part of their journey. So that's really unfortunate. You know, you think about every um, you know, puppy that you see on the street having a lovely, happy home, their siblings may not have been quite so lucky.
0: Oh, well, that's kind of a downer on it.
1: Sorry. <laughs> <I> <laughs> no, it's it,
0: of, it's, of it's what yeah. happens, no, exactly, but I personally didn't even think about him having to smuggle them in and they're being a loss with the animals. So that's that mm-hmm. has it opened my eyes up to it because I don't know, I just they just appear, I suppose which I know it's not that's not how it happens but they they do appear and then you mm-hmm. just got more people look I've got a puppy mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and i mean i guess i guess this is the
1: thing that we hear a lot about at four paws we run a um, a victim reporting um uh, facility on our website. So anyone who's feels that they may have been a victim of the um of the puppy trade or an illegal dealer is welcome to use our website and um, report their experience to us. Okay. And one question that we always ask is um was your puppy sick after purchase? And very often, far too often, yes, their puppies are sick soon after they home. And this is normally the first thing that indicates to um, a new puppy buyer um, that maybe something wasn't quite right with the person that I bought this puppy from. Because, That's really good to know. Yeah, they suddenly have a very sick puppy on their hands or this this puppy may die in their arms a few days later, which is, of course, absolutely devastating and not something anyone ever wants to go through. Um, and that is this, another sad reality. But we, what we don't see is, the, is obviously the dogs who don't make the journey. And, of course, yeah. we never see the breeding dogs who are kept hidden um, in these countries in Eastern Europe um, and, you know, see the light of day. Um, So yeah, this is it. It's a hidden trade. It's a very difficult to trace trade. It's very difficult to measure the scale of it. But we can certainly understand the repercussions and the heartbreak that it causes. Oh, definitely.
0: 100 percent. So the kept animals bill was debated in Parliament. What are your thoughts of the changes?
1: Yeah, so look, Four Paws UK, um, our our branch in the UK, um, uh, provided input to this consultation around the Kept Animals Bill. And look, in general, I think we're considering it a step closer when it comes to tackling puppy smuggling specifically as part of the illegal trade. I know the government is planning to kind of tackle puppy puppy smuggling by reducing the number of pets that can travel um, under the pet travel rules and... um, it might also include further restrictions on um, the movement of pets, um, for example, by increasing the minimum age that you can bring puppies in. Um, it's restricting things like the import of pregnant dogs and dogs with mutilations, such as crop deers and docked tails. Um, and this is all fantastic news for animals and pet owners. like. And it's definitely a step in the right direction. But personally, I think I would like to see the UK government going a bit further with regards to traceability of the online trade. So, for example, um, just very recently in France, there was an introduction of a new animal welfare law in France just last month um, that really actively tackles the illegal online pet trade specifically uh, by making it mandatory for any pet sold online to be registered, first of all, in their national microchipping database before they are allowed to be advertised online. And what that means is that it creates a system of traceability in France for any pet sold online or advertised online and as we know classified ad sites are the main uh channel to market for yeah. anyone wanting to sell or rehome a dog and that definitely includes dealers who have really thrived in the online marketplace because it creates anonymity, it creates a really safe space for illegal dealers to just create a fake account, um, you know, advertise their puppy and then disappear the day after it's sold and never to be found again. But by having this full system of traceability in place, by making it mandatory that any pet sold online must be microchipped, And have that microchip information registered in a national database means that the person who owns that puppy must also have their information registered in that database and kept on file. And that file is accessible to authorities like the police should something go. Wrong later on down the line if somebody buys a puppy and then they think oh that puppy's getting sick it's developed parvovirus, virus I'm now two thousand pounds or two thousand euros out of pocket with unexpected vet fees um, how do I get in touch with this person who sold me the puppy but has disappeared with a system like they're introducing in France um, it means that that person must be um, uh, accessible to authorities, must have their contact details available in a database somewhere so they can be tracked and traced. And that is a system that we consider very good because it means that it disincentivizes illegal dealers. Nobody who wants to, nobody who doesn't want to be found by authorities will want to operate in this online market. Yes, it disincentivizes- yes. Them at the at the sale um, moment, and what we believe that will then happen is will have a a kind of a knock-on effect to then um, having. Uh, repercussions around the breeding and the provision of dogs um, from poor situations in Eastern Europe, um, which means if there's no uh, middleman involved in the advertising and sale of that puppy, um, there simply won't be any kind of incentive for people to be poorly breeding these puppies and selling them in the first place. And it also means that it will be uh, a reassurance to anyone buying a puppy, seeing an advertised puppy online as well, to know that the person who is selling it to you uh, is the verified Registered owner of that puppy and can be traced should something go wrong. So you have that level of confidence there um, in in the actual act of buying or acquiring a pet online as well. We would love to see that system in place in the UK and in all
0: countries oh, yeah.
1: as well. Um, we think it's great that they've got it in France now, and we're pushing very very hard um, <laughs> in our puppy trade campaigning team um, to see this um, being brought to life. Um, around other countries um, around Europe as well so that's what we would really love to see happening in the UK in the future as well.
0: So um, as everybody knows Richard is on day two of his 232 mile walk for handing in Reggie's law petition to regulate online animal sales which would then stop these illegal breeders from using the websites so similar to France but not I'm not sure I don't think it's all of What France has got will will have put in place.
1: No, and this is why um, you know the work that um, Justice for Reggie is doing is so important as well, because it's bringing this issue of online sales and traceability to the attention of the government. I think in a way that hasn't really been done um, before. We've had really successful campaigns around raising awareness about the puppy trade and puppy farming and puppy dealers, um, like the Lucy's Law campaign, and which you know ultimately led to a ban on uh, third-party puppy and kitten sales in the UK, which is fantastic. Um, but we really do need to have uh, a way of addressing the online trade itself that is that is the marketplace where the illegal trade it is it Um, really is yeah Yeah, exactly so this is why it's so fantastic i think Um, and i I look forward to seeing richard actually um on tuesday hopefully next week um handing in the results of that petition to in downing street Um,
0: can you tell us about four paws model solutions
1: sure so um so look four paws has been working on the illegal puppy trade um, problem for over 15 years now um, and in that wow they can yeah it's, it's been a big problem for a very long time getting a bit sick of it to be honest <laughs> i'd like
0: to be an illegal puppy trade now but you'll never stop fighting <laughs>
1: no absolutely not but i have to say i feel more optimistic about this issue than i ever have before um, so look our our campaign work our lobbying work our, our awareness raising work has always has taken on various life forms in that time but our approach to this step um, at this time is really around improving awareness, improving regulation and improving traceability of the online pet trade. And we've developed this thing called um, the model solution for ending the illegal online puppy trade in Europe. And at the core of this solution is the development of a technical system called PetSafe. And we've partnered um, with a body called EuroPetNet um, to develop this system and it's incredibly geeky I'm so sorry I'm going to use some technical terms that's now. okay people who might understand what any of this means feel free to explain it to me but they've developed They've developed an application programming interface or an API, which basically creates a um, a kind of a connection point between um, the data source that Europe PetNet hold on um, identification and registration databases, so microchipping databases around Europe. And they're able to connect that data with the way a classified ad site um, places its ads And so we've done a trial of this system uh, in Ireland this year um, on a website called dogs.ie. Have been trialing it for three months. And it basically means that it will verify that anybody trying to sell a dog online is the registered owner of that dog. You simply cannot place an ad online for a dog unless you are the registered owner of that dog and you're information is current and in the microchipping database in your country and your pet net have access to that data and they're able to basically verify it at the point that you are trying to place that ad if you're not the verified registered owner of that puppy you simply won't be allowed to place that ad so if you're an illegal dealer and you don't want to have your contact details in a database that is accessible to the government and to the police you will not be able to verify that you are the owner of that puppy you will not be allowed to place that ad on the other side of things, from the user's point of view, from the puppy buyer's point of view, it means if you're using one of these classified ad sites that operates with the PetSafe system, you can be sure that every single ad for every single puppy on that website that is using the PetSafe system um, is being, uh, has been placed by the verified registered owner of that puppy. So either the person who's bred that puppy or the person who is the current owner of that puppy uh, and their information is available in a database somewhere that is uh, accessible to authorities. So it creates that kind of assurance, assurance from the user point of view, from the puppy buyer point of view, and assurance that the classified site itself is creating um, a platform that is safe, both for people who are wanting to sell their puppies and for people who are wanting to buy their puppies. In this way, it can still allow people to use classified ad sites um, like shelters um, to rehome animals under their under their own system as well, so long as they have those animals registered to them. Um, it means reputable, proper breeders who aren't afraid. Yep exposed to authorities are able to use classified ad sites and it makes the classified ad sites happy as well we've um, received a lot of support from classified sites around Europe um, for this system because of course they want to be able to continue providing this platform to users um, Uh, and, you know, they're not interested in just kind of putting a blanket ban on puppy sales, Um, and neither are we, to be honest, because, you know, what we've realised is that if classified ad sites do put a blanket ban on puppy sales, the legal dealers will just move to social media, which is just impossible um, to trace. So we much prefer this system of being able to um, link up anyone selling a puppy um, with the classified ad site and make sure that it's a verifiable, registered dog and that that dog um, and their origins can be traced if
0: needed it sounds really good to be (laughs) fair
1: it's quite technical and i have to admit it's taken me a while it to is get head around how the system will work but this is how we're going to end the illegal puppy trade emily this is how we're going to end it around all of europe um because like i said with the situation in france now if you are an illegal dealer you're not interested in being part of this industry anymore because yeah to be found you'll go back to you know dealing drugs or or whatever it is body parts that is another profitable illegal means for you to make money um but you'll leave dogs alone
0: and leave dogs out Uh, so the next question we have was on website sales what changes do you think need to be made
1: So changes, I think, in general in the classified um, industry um, need to be around, obviously, improving transparency about origins and sellers. So making sure that the information on the advertisements is truthful. Um, you know, we quite often will see, um, you know, ads um, on websites like Gumtree that will say, you know, I've got a, um, an eight week old puppy available for sale. But then when you go to meet the puppy, you find that they're actually drastically underage. Um, we need traceability as well. So this is a system that I was just talking about. We would love to yep. see taking up the PetSafe system over the next few years as it's being rolled out. Um, And I think accountability as well for the platforms. And this is not just about classified ad sites as well. We need accountability for social media channels too, Facebook, It's a major problem as well. And it's incredibly difficult um, to try and convince, you know, the most powerful social media <laughs> company in the world um, to take accountability on this issue. Um, but you, but we believe very firmly that if you're providing a platform for people to communicate and to come together in order to sell and trade things, you do need to consider your role in that and your responsibility in that as well as a platform provider. Um, so those are the things that we think uh, need be the changes that do need to be made. And I will say, I'm feeling very optimistic about it. Like I said, we now have several classified ad sites um, who are interested in rolling out the pet safe system with us um, from countries from Germany, uh, Switzerland, um, Ireland itself. Um, We are having some discussions in the UK as well that are really positive, Um, but we've got a lot of work to do. And I think think having um, this kind of demonstration um, of the system working over the next couple of years, we'll, we'll hopefully see a few more ad sites coming on board with it too.
0: That would be really good because at the end of the day, the internet is so wide; it's everywhere. You can have yeah. it in your hand, walking down the street. Selling sites are not going to go anywhere at all. No,
1: absolutely not. And you know, I would be devastated if we could, if we didn't have classified ad sites. myself. I don't know where I'd get half of my Christmas gifts from. But when it comes to, you know, when it comes to um, animal welfare, we've got a big problem with the online marketplace. Yeah. Um, But there's also a lot of hope on the horizon, you know, one of the things that's happening in the EU at the moment is there is a a review um, Going on around um, an EU um, piece of legislation called the Digital Services Act, for example Um, And this is um, an act that was drafted a long long time ago really needs updating But within that we're very hopeful that there will be provisions for the online marketplace as well Around regulating the online sales of animals Because, because of course when this first when this legislation was first drafted after years and years ago, um, there wasn't any awareness about the problems um, on, the, uh, on the online marketplaces around animal welfare. But now that we do know that this is a problem, we're hoping that legislators will follow suit and um, implement laws um, that really benefit animals and, and families.
0: Well, animal welfare is everybody's top priority. Um, the Re- Justice for Reggie petition, um, Reggie's law, has gotten over a hundred and eight thousand signatures. Wow. And it still has until Tuesday, until it finishes.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And you know, so, congratulations to all of you guys as well. Thank you not letting this topic go as well it's you know as someone who's worked on this issue for a long time now as well I know how tiring it is how slow progress can be for any animal welfare issue you know you know you're always thinking about your long-term goals um but I think having this awareness um that we have in the UK thanks to groups like yours um is is has really been key to seeing the success that we're seeing now in, in the UK
0: so well done thank you that means an absolute lot to all of us it's been a grueling almost 12 months and to have this petition being handed in with a debate for the week after it's just it's it's phenomenal it's amazing it really is definitely you've done a great job (laughs) so four paws is a charity how can people help you as a charity. Well, thank you so much for asking. Um
1: so first of all you can visit our website four It's actually four hyphen paws.org. Um and you can jump on the website and you can find um, lots of resources available to you all those responsible pet ownership um dog training tips and things not just for dogs but for cats and small animals as well. We advice we have available on our website. Um, you can log on to donate, subscribe to our email updates as well that we have a puppy trade reporting tool that's available on our um, website as well as our UK site uh, which is fourpaws.org.uk if you have uh, or if you suspect that you may have been um, uh, deceived by an illegal puppy dealer um, or you've maybe witnessed something happening that you didn't think was quite Quite right. In the in the um, in the process of acquiring a puppy, you can report your experience to us, and we use this information in a couple of ways. First of all, we can sometimes provide advice to you um, where it's suitable to do so for how you can um, handle this issue, um, what kind of rights you might have. Um, but we also um, amalgamate all this data, and we use it for campaigning purposes to try and convince legislators um, that there is a big problem. Out there and that people are being um, affected by it um, and that something needs to be done about it. So it's really helpful for furthering our campaign um, around Europe as well. The last thing that people can do is, of course, find us on all the usual social media channels. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Um, We have a lot of really uplifting content as well as regular calls to action and campaign actions that people can take part in as well. Um, So please do jump online and and follow us in whatever means you can.
0: Yes, I was just about to say that because you've got um, three campaigns at the moment, haven't you? We've got (laughs) probably more (laughs) than <laughs> oh, when I looked, oh my it God. said three. Hang on. It is, but no, hang on. It's still going. <laughs>
1: you know what we this is this is a good point we so four paws is such a big organization to be honest and we like i said we operate in 15 countries around the world we do run a number of campaigns um, affecting animals from wildlife to farmed animals to companion animals which is my area Uh, we run stray animal care projects as well in southeast asia and eastern europe so spain neuter clinics for example we work very actively on helping to end the dog and cat meat trade in southeast asia as well Um, we run seven bear sanctuaries. sanctuaries around the world from vietnam to europe Um, we even have an orangutan sanctuary in borneo as well which i'm dying to visit one day once once it's safe to can i come please oh i'd love to leave (laughs) yeah yeah so, so we do some great work um, and, and we have a number of veterinarians and specialists who work for four paws as well, helping animals around the world. So any support anyone can give at any point is um, going to be wonderful and um, a way to help animals around the world.
0: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure mm-hmm. speaking with you this afternoon and I'm so glad to say you will meet meeting the team on Tuesday next week when we all yes. meet at Trafalgar Square. Definitely. So it'll be a pleasure to meet up with everybody and finally see faces.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm getting a bit sick of this online world we're living in. <laughs> so it'll be nice Yeah, and, and waving at each other from a safe two metre distance.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me.
1: Thank you, Emily, for taking on taking me on today. And um, please share my regards with Richard as well. Wishing him the best of luck
0: for the next few days. I, I think he is currently. <laughs> I haven't got an update for you, but he should be quarter to three. He's still walking. <laughs> I think he'll be walking for a little while. He when did when did he leave home? Um he left home yesterday morning. Right. Um. He left this morning from his hotel at seven o'clock in the morning, but he went in the wrong direction. (laughs) So he had to go back five miles. Um. So he did post a video on Facebook. Um. So you know, same as us, you you can find us on all all of your socials. We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram we got our own website. Mainly, we, you know, I've, I've been sitting on all, all the socials today, updating everything because as we get everything sent over to us. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> a busy week then.
0: <laughs> all, all in the lead up for London.
1: <laughs> right. Well, it's going to be a real
0: celebration, I think. and a real It adju- really is. Um, yeah. Looking forward to seeing you then at Trafalgar Square. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you too. And we'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.